Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Today's conversation is going to be on the subject of hair loss, a a subject that is really close to my heart, something that I've struggled with personally for many years for many different reasons as well. Some of them we'll we'll come on to. And there's not a lot of information out there about hair loss. I do have a blog post on this subject that's going to be in the episode show notes as well um, that covers some of the points today, but this is going to be a much more in-depth conversation covering the main root causes and the 10 steps to help you overcome female hair loss. Obviously, some of these can play into male hair loss as well, but while my audience is mainly female, there's some additional things that could be going on for, for women, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, just starting off, I had a really interesting question or comment from one of my clients the other day. Um, she was asking what my thoughts were on the fact that a lot of my guests and maybe other practitioners who are in the same field as me have different different approaches to some of the same conditions or just different approaches to health in general and how I feel about that. So I actually love it. And you may think on the podcast as well, you may sometimes feel confused or overwhelmed that there's different perspectives and different approaches. Maybe some people, practitioners totally disagree with something that I say or vice versa. And I think that's the good thing about it. And that's why I have a diverse range of practitioners on the show. I'm not just going to have people who have the same approaches me because that would be very boring I'm learning from people as well and the overall point is for you to take parts and inspiration and information little nuggets of wisdom away from every single person and find what works for you because there isn't a one-size-fits-all and even some of these practitioners agree that um, there are so many different ways to skin a cat basically so if we are doing similar things anyway like removing inflammatory foods eating organic as much as possible, managing stress, sleeping, moving your body. There are so many commonalities. And yes, there may be a few things that are totally different or um, are different a little bit. But the main thing is that we're focusing on real whole food and there's a lot of commonalities between them all. So don't feel confused. Don't feel overwhelmed. Just take little bits from each person. And I hope you're enjoying the guests as much as I am. Definitely give me feedback as to people that you want to have on and um, episodes that re- you really enjoyed because I love seeing that and getting feedback so I know more um, what to provide and what to create for you guys. So starting off with my personal hair loss experience you may have heard me talk a bit about this before in the first episode of the Hormones in Harmony podcast which was my health journey from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony how I did it over the uh, probably five or so years in total it was a long journey 
And her loss was definitely one of my worst symptoms or most concerning, the one that I was most self-conscious about. And one of the hardest, if I'm honest, along with the skin issues, because other things you can probably hide. So when I was severely bloated and having diarrhea or constipation or reflux, I could hide that. Not many people could see or even knew what I was going through. But with the hair loss, people can see it. Often not as much as you you think that they do. So a lot of the time you're very self-conscious and you think everyone's staring at your hair, but many people don't even take a second look. They don't even notice at all. And it's because you're very in, in the um, problem. You're very focused on it. You just think everyone's concerned, but everyone's just concerned about themselves. So if you are concerned about that aspect, just know that people probably don't even notice. And I know that you may have heard that before, but it's absolutely true. And same with acne. Yes, you can put the makeup on, you can cover it, but it's very hard. And when someone's talking to you, you feel self-conscious about that. So her loss was one of the worst along with acne. And mine was triggered by my period of over-exercising, under-eating. And then it got exacerbated when I went on the pill even though the pill that I was on was an anti-androgenic pill, so it helped to reduce male hormones in the system, it actually kind of prevented my hair from growing. So maybe it wasn't shedding as bad, but it was actually suppressing my androgens so much and sex hormone binding globulin so that my hair wasn't growing. I hardly ever shaved my legs. I think I shaved my legs a handful of times in the two years that I was on the pill. My hair didn't grow, my nails didn't grow. So yes, it didn't shed as much, but it didn't grow as much as it should do and it still looked very thin and lifeless. And then when I came off the pill, that exacerbated the hair loss again because of a post-pill response. My hormones were kicking in again and my hair shedded like crazy again for another couple of years. So I remember so many things. I kind of blocked this out for a long period of time, but I remember looking back when I think about this now and understand and try and relate with clients what they're currently going through because I've come out the other side, but it's always nice to go back and just remind them that you've been through something similar. So I remember using baby shampoo because I thought it was the safest on my hair. I didn't want any anything that may make it worse. So I would wash my hair with baby shampoo, which now I know is probably very toxic and one of the worst things that you could do. But I've just tried everything. I wouldn't brush my hair. I wouldn't touch my hair. I wouldn't go for my hair cut because I didn't want them to wash my hair or cut it or comb, you know, when they like comb it and brush it quite um, viciously sometimes. I just didn't want anyone else touching my hair in fear that it would come out even more. And I remember reading online on an article one day that it was normal for you to lose up to 100 hairs per day. And because I'd become so obsessed and concerned about this whole situation, it was literally taking over my life. Every thought that I had throughout the day would revolve around my hair for a good period of time. I remember for a good couple of months after every shower that I had and washed my hair, I would take what was stuck in the drain because there was always a big clump of hair. And I would literally take apart the clump and count strand by strand how many hairs were shedding. That's how obsessive I became. And if it was a few more than it should be, I would freak out. And I can't remember the exact amount that I was losing, but you can just see how crazy that is. And at the time I was thinking I was doing a good thing I was trying to control my health, but it was very stressful. Even thinking back to it is stressful. And yes, my hair is almost fully recovered to what it was. I can't, to be honest, I can't remember what it was like because it was so long ago. 
but I'd always had thick, shiny, luscious hair. And now the fact that it's grown back, I'm very grateful for that. It did take a while. And with anything hair related, it does take a good probably six to 12 months for some people. Some people it takes shorter, some people it takes longer. And it's very multifactorial. So it depends on how many factors you've got going on. But for some people, they may not ever be able to fully grow back their hair to what it was. Particularly if it's more alopecia autoimmune type where they have either patchy um, hair loss or they have complete hair loss so alopecia totalis where they completely go bald you may have seen that before but particularly androgenic type hair loss as well so driven by male hormones that can damage the hair follicle so that it can't grow back and that's not to say that it's irreversible but it can be harder to do and if it's left for a long period of time that's when the herd her follicle becomes quite damaged and I'm not against medications the conventional medications and treatments things like oh just go on the oral contraceptive pill birth control that's going to help with your symptoms it may help clear up your acne as a side benefit it's going to stop you getting pregnant it may regulate your cycle that's the kind of things that were taught maybe things like spironolactone you may have been offered or Rogaine topical shampoos and all these fancy um, topical treatments that sometimes prescribed, they can work temporarily and that can be good in some situations if someone's having a really, it's making them really depressed and sometimes suicidal, then yes, you want to stop the hair loss as soon as possible. And my approach would to be work on the root cause at the same time. But a lot of these things can actually make the issue worse in the long run. So the spironolactone, for example, can mess with the, electrolytes in the body the oral contraceptive pill it can cause a rebound effect and it can actually drive things like inflammation and nutrient deficiencies in the body which we'll come on to and rogaine yes it helps temporarily but it can actually cause severe hair loss after it um, after it's discontinued and thinking of it just logically your hair isn't it isn't needed for survival it really is a luxury for the body so when there's a lot of stress on the body, maybe there's low resources available, energy-wise, calorie-wise, nutrient-wise, then the body's not going to put a lot of energy into growing nice, thick, luscious hair. It's going to take that energy and divert it to your internal organs. Maybe your liver, maybe your heart, maybe your brain, your female hormones. It's going to do everything it can to keep the body running smoothly. And your hair, sometimes your skin comes into this as well, is going to be put on the back burner because it's not needed for survival. It's not a life or death situation if you're hurt, if you don't have any hair. Yes, it helps to keep you warm and all of that, but you can survive without a nice head of hair. And you do really need to be patient with any of these things. Some of the things that we're going to cover, um, we'll talk more in depth about what can be done about it. But your hair is on a cycle of about three to four months naturally. And if your hair is shedding this week or today, it's not a reflection of what you're doing at this moment in time. It's a reflection of the past three to four months. So similar to your menstrual cycle, I always say if you get a terrible period this month, it may not be the pizza that you had last week. It could be the um, terrible night, the terrible night's sleep that you had um, three to four months ago. It could have been the stressful event that happened. It could have been the holiday that you had with all the cocktails and alcohol and gluten and dairy, all of that a few months back. So that's why it can be so hard to um, 
remember these things because you just get caught up in the current moment and you it's hard to think that something three months ago could be influencing your health right now but that's definitely how the body works and like I said I'll link to the blog post that covers some of these root causes that we're going to be talking about and these steps that we're going to come to are in no particular order so you don't have to work through these step by step please don't be overwhelmed just think maybe what could be contributing to yours you may have one of these factors you may have all of them it's hard to say and this is why I recommend working with someone who can help you work through them a step at a time so starting off with the first step would be to address nutrient deficiencies this is key this is one of the leading causes of her loss in my opinion and experience and you could be eating nutrient-dense foods maybe you're not absorbing them you could be eating the same 15 foods on repeat so even though they're healthy you may not be getting exposure to a lot of nutrients that are needed and bearing in mind that the soil these days is very depleted due to over farming mineral deficiencies all of that so sometimes you need to be extra careful sometimes you need to rely on supplements to get enough adequate nutrition and there's key nutrients we'll cover um, the majority of them now so iron is number one I remember having an iron, a ferritin level, which is your iron stores of around 20. And this was missed for months by primary care doctors, specialists. And then I finally had to pay to see like an expert in the UK. And he took one look at my lab results and said, this is why you're losing your hair. Your ferritin is at a 20. It needs to be a minimum of 75 for your hair to grow back and to function optimally to go through those growth cycles like it should. So that basic thing, there was obviously more think factors involved, like my hormones were a mess, my gut was a mess. But regardless, iron and ferritin, sometimes ferritin isn't checked, so make sure that you ask for that ideal reference range between 75 to 100 for most people. And the answer isn't just to take an iron supplement because you think it might be iron, you need to get tested because it's good when it's low if you take a supplement that's beneficial but if your iron is already on the high end of normal which it is for a lot of people then you could actually make your hair loss worse if you take a supplement so this is why you should test and not guess with so many of these things amino acids from protein are crucial for hair growth as well that's what hair is made out of amino acids and there's a big difference between animal and plant proteins you may have heard me talk about this on Instagram before. So there's sulfur-rich amino acids as well, like methionine and cysteine, which are important for hair growth. And this is why amino acids like collagen, well, products like collagen are, are touted as being amazing for hair, skin and nails. It's because they're rich in amino acids and help with the growth and repair of things like your hair. So not for everyone. I don't react well to collagen, but it could be a good add in for some people just make sure it's high quality organic grass-fed animals and that is an animal product zinc is crucial vitamin d particularly at this time of year depending on where you're, you're at in the world but here in the uk it's dark from 4 p.m the days are cold the days are the days are um, dark the days are long and we're just not getting any exposure to vitamin d from sunlight and vitamin d is important for immune regulation hormonal balance thyroid health so this is another one that you need to get checked for before just supplementing although there's some exception with a low dose of vitamin d throughout winter but if you're going into winter severely de deficient in vitamin d you're going to need 
quite a high dose um, and again work with someone who can help you through that b vitamins are crucial essential fatty acids like um, epa and dha from fish oil iodine is another important one particularly because of the benefits to the thyroid which we'll come on to and then selenium and silica are also important these are a lot of trace minerals so eating mineral dense foods things like seaweed things like green leafy vegetables things like organ meats one of my favorite foods highly recommended and one of the best foods that you can incorporate for hair loss just give it a go see how you feel and always organic with those as well you don't want conventionally farmed animal organs mineral imbalances can be picked up on a hair tissue mineral analysis i've been using this test very frequently very commonly with clients these days and i've found it to be very important and very valuable for such a short for such a small price as well and i always apologize to the client beforehand if they're struggling with her loss because you do need to take a her sample so this can be a little bit challenging for them to mentally overcome but it's very small amount of her it's not like a huge chunk or anything and the data that you get back can really be insightful can indicate things like your adrenals your thyroid health your vitality levels in the body so just an overall great test for that one. Step two is to look to the gut. You've probably heard me talk a million times about gut health. And even if you're not symptomatic gut wise, you could still have some issues with maybe malabsorption. So you could be eating a really healthy diet, but you're not absorbing it. Maybe due to low digestive enzyme production, low HCL in particular, stomach acid, you could be eating high quality proteins and all of these mineral rich foods but if your stomach acid is like apple cider vinegar very weak and not as acidic as battery acid like it should be then you're not actually going to cleave and absorb all of those nutrients that you need to build healthy hair and your hormones and all of that and the other things that could be going on would be things like infections in the gut parasites candida yeast SIBO these bacteria and organisms can be stealing the nutrients that you are consuming can be a low-grade stress on the body can be depleting nutrients and resources so that you don't have the energy to build the hair like i was talking about and the infections in the gut can sometimes spread systemically not necessarily parasites but things like yeast and candida they don't just stay in the gut sometimes when they've been going on chronically they can spread systemically so some people can have things like vaginal yeast infections some people can have dandruff and more yeast issues on the scalp as well and we'll touch on scalp infections too but again test don't guess with digestive issues you may have zero symptoms you could have a gut full of parasites and you could think that you have candida but you actually have parasites so a lot of the, the symptoms cross over and you really need to know what you're doing and you need to know which organism that you need to address in order to get the correct protocol otherwise you're just going to be chasing your tail the symptoms that you may be experiencing if you have digestive issues again it could just be that your hair's thinning it could be that you have acne it could be that you have anxiety but the classic gut symptoms would be bloating constipation diarrhea acid reflux pain urgency any of those I like to use the GI map stool test with clients to really get a good assessment as to whether they have low enzyme production, whether their gut's chronically inflamed, 
whether they have some of these infections just to get some answers and some data on paper. Step three is to check your thyroid. This needs to be done comprehensively. You can't just rely on a TSH and a T4 check from your doctor and be told that it's fine because a lot of the time they are fine. They are the two, um, they're the two markers that take a really long time to go out of whack. But there's other markers like antibodies, reverse T3 and free T3 levels that can be imbalanced and missed for a good period of time until the thyroid is so damaged that the TSH goes out of whack and you're given a medication. And the typical pattern for thyroid health like hair loss would be just general thinning all over. Maybe the outer third of your eyebrow is also thinning as well. Maybe the, your body hair has slowed down, growth, and sometimes at the temples of the head, you can notice hair loss in that pattern as well, but very different for everyone. And it could be hyperthyroid, so overactive, or it could be hypo, underactive thyroid. They can both lead to hair loss because they're affecting the metabolism and either speeding it up and making the hair shed quicker than it should do or slowing it down so the hair just isn't growing and the hair cycle is halted prematurely and the hair loss um, fall, the hair falls after that. And your hair may become more brittle, more frizzy and more dull looking as well. If it's a thyroid issue, some symptoms that you might be dealing with would be constipation or diarrhea so either the opposite one extreme or another depending on what thyroid issue you have it can affect things like your mood so you can be depressed you can be very anxious you could be very cold or very hot so any any symptom really in the body could be related back to a thyroid issue but they would be some of the more common things particularly things like weight either you're gaining a lot of weight or you're losing a lot of weight just go with your doctor um, and request a full thyroid panel. Sometimes this isn't done, particularly in the NHS. They're just not testing a full thyroid panel, unfortunately. But privately, you should be able to get that done and work with a practitioner, otherwise like a nutritional therapist like myself, who can order a full thyroid panel and rule this out as a possibility. You don't have to be like over 50 to have a thyroid issue. You don't have to be overweight and have that classic thyroid look that we may associate. I've had a thyroid issue at some point and I was a normal weight and it can still be a factor. Step four is to balance your sex hormones. So there's so many different hormones in the body. Thyroid is all, thyroid hormone is one. And then there's also sex hormones. So this would be ones in relation to your menstrual cycle you're most commonly associated with. Things like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. And the oral contraceptive pill can come into this category as well because some pills are more androgenic in nature so when people go on them the hair can start to fall because the progestin in the pill acts more as an androgen or a male hormone in the system alternatively or otherwise some people are on an anti-androgenic pill like i was for example yasmin is a common one and that doesn't really cause hair loss but when you come off you can have something called an androgen rebound were because your hormones and androgens have been suppressed for so long the entire time that you're on that pill they kick back into gear when you stop usually that's three month mark post pill sometimes your hair can get very oily greasy and it can start to shed quite rapidly due to an androgen rebound and some of the pills well mainly all of the pills can suppress sex hormone binding globulin which is a protein in the bloodstream that binds to excess hormones 
So this can be good or bad. It can suppress um, things like your progesterone levels and your thyroid hormone, and it can cause things like androgens to be circulating in the system and causing problems when they shouldn't do. And low progesterone is a very common one. If you're not on the pill, you may have heard of this as termed estrogen dominance. So that's either you have very high estrogen levels or they're just high in in relationship to progesterone. And progesterone is the hormone in pregnancy that gives women that glow, that gives them that nice, thick, luscious head of hair. Sometimes they lose that when they give birth because progesterone drops quite rapidly. And we don't just get progesterone when we're pregnant. We should be getting this every month after we ovulate. So if you're not ovulating, or maybe you do, but the progesterone levels just aren't where they should be, then that could be definitely impacting your hair growth. And there's so many things that can impact ovulation. We'll not get into that in this episode, maybe another one, but just as an overview, things like stress, thyroid issues, nutrient deficiencies, probably all of these things we're going to be talking about today can be an impact on progesterone levels. And to test, you can do something like a Dutch hormone test. The one that I most commonly use with clients is a urine functional medicine test that you do at home. So you don't even have to leave your house. And you do this at a particular time of the month to assess progesterone levels, but not just that. Things like your estrogen metabolites, things like your androgens, not just testosterone, but a good range of the androgens that could be causing hair loss as well. And it also looks into your cortisol pattern. So this could be a really important one for hair loss because it covers so many different factors. And then with the androgens, you might have a condition called PCOS. You don't have to have PCOS to have a high androgens. It could just be a temporary thing driven by stress. But if you have PCOS or you have high androgens, whether that's testosterone, DHEAS, DHEA, androsterone, etiocalanolone, there's a good number of androgens that do need to be measured. It could be that your body's highly sensitive to them. So you may actually have a normal level of androgens in the system, but your hair follicles on your skin may be just hyper-responsive to them. This can be driven by inflammation, but also genetics as well. And androgens, these male hormones, I'll use those terms interchangeably. They actually shrink the follicles on the head, so the scalp hair, and they can actually expand the follicles on the face and the body. So that's the most frustrating thing. It causes you to grow facial hair, body hair, but the hair on your head starts to fall in that male pattern baldness that you may have heard of before. You can't just check testosterone. So if your doctor's told you that they've looked at your androgens, you need to do more than just testosterone because a lot of the time that's normal and even low in some cases. And it could be that your androgens are raging, they're high, and they've just been missed because they haven't had a full investigation. Step five, you want to identify and address stressors in your life. Mental and emotional stress are the main factor, the biggest concern, the one that we're probably all aware of. But do we actually do anything about it to work on those, to manage them? A lot of people don't. And stress directly can cause hair loss or trigger hair loss. There's a condition called telogen effluvium that I was diagnosed with at one point as well which just means that your hair is falling out due to stress. And again, this is a delayed pattern. So it's typically a stress that happened three months ago, whether that's a car crash, divorce, you lost your job, you lost a family member. 
and that's what can trigger your hair loss three months later your stressor could be a hidden trauma so it may not even be something that's going on now it could be childhood trauma it could be something that you need to work through mentally and emotionally spiritually for your body to calm down and get out of that stress response because like we said your hair's not going to grow and grow luscious and nice and strong if your body is chronically stressed and stress depletes nutrients it messes with your gut it can literally wreck all of these factors and make them worse that we mentioned it could be physiological stress like a food sensitivity or a food allergy for example celiac disease individuals with that condition which is an autoimmune response to gluten and a severe digestive issue they can have hair loss as a symptom and might not have any digestive symptoms it could be that you're not sleeping well that you're over exercising that you're eating inflammatory foods and inflammation generally worsens everything so that's another one stress and inflammation they can really mess with all different systems of the body and are the drivers of most chronic disease but also most health symptoms as well definitely hair loss inflammation can be triggered by poor omega-3 to omega-6 ratios so omega-3s are found in cold water fatty fish yes there are some in plant foods but the conversion is just not adequate enough i don't count them typically towards omega-3s for my clients we want to be getting good high quality fish oil two to three times a week wild caught ideally Nutrient deficiencies can drive inflammation. Chronic infections can drive inflammation, whether this is something like Epstein-Barr virus, whether it's Lyme, whether it's mold toxicity. These are all stresses on the body. So when we think about that, we can't just think about the financial worry or the, um, the career worry, although these are very important. Stress can be chemical, physiological, physical, so many things. And stress management is very different to everyone. You need to find what works for you. You need to do that consistently, regularly, schedule it in your diet, delegate more, say no to more things that you, you don't want to be involved with and just really prioritise this if you want your hair loss to stop and you want your hair to grow back. Step six, you want to clean up your environment. So if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing that you're already eating healthy, but are you paying attention to what you're putting on your skin? what you're spraying on your body, what you're using as an air freshener in your, um, in your car or your living room, what you're cleaning your dishes with. It may not sound like this is, has anything to do with her loss. And these things don't cause her loss directly the majority of the time, but they affect the other things, the other factors. They influence gut health, they influence sex hormone balance so they stress the body so they don't directly cause the hair loss but they indirectly can be related as well and even if it's not for hair loss you want to tackle these things now just for long-term health longevity reduction of chronic disease in the future and these things are often ignored because they're not the harmful effects aren't visible to the human eye so with something like a gut infection we can feel it we can do something about it with something like a paraben in a skincare product we're not noticing any negative reactions in that moment so we don't think it's a problem but these things accumulate and i'm talking about endocrine disrupting chemicals like plastics phthalates parabens heavy metals pesticides these can all really influence hormonal health in particular and we've just spoken about how important that is for hair loss they have a big effect on estrogen in particular so they can raise estrogen 
and they can inhibit ovulation sometimes and interfere with fertility. So maybe you're not getting exposure to that nice progesterone that we mentioned. Maybe they're stressing the body. Maybe they're influencing gut health. And that could be exacerbating the problem as well. Particularly shampoos really infuriate me, the ones that are targeted to hair loss and they're filled with all of these SLS, parabens, chemicals that actually make hair loss worse or mess with your health overall. So definitely stay away from the chemical brands that are targeted for hair loss and stick with more natural products and focus on health overall. The topical things can help, but it's a lot of internal imbalances that are driving it similar to skin issues. Organic food is really important. Yes, it's a little bit more expensive, but it's absolutely worth it. You're reducing your risk of pesticide exposure and you're increasing the intake of nutrients in your diet, particularly antioxidants. The carbohydrates and calories and all that are similar, whether it's non-organic or organic, but it's the antioxidants that are the benefit to health and hair loss as well, because antioxidants combat inflammation in the body. And when a plant is sprayed with pesticides, it doesn't have to defend itself in the field. Whereas if it's not spreading pesticides, it has to defend itself against insects and flies and all of these things. So it creates a defense system on its skin. And these are antioxidants. So they're harmful against insects, but they're beneficial to human health and they reduce, they reduce inflammation in the body. If you listened to the previous episode I did, so episode 43 with Wendy Myers, we talked about heavy metals, so things like mercury, aluminium, arsenic. She described heavy metals as being poisons to enzymes in the body, particularly enzymes that function thyroid health, adrenal health, sex hormones. They can interfere with gut and immune system. So these could be involved as well. Ways to combat those would be eating organic as much as possible and also filtering water and investing in an air filter, especially if you're in a place in the world right now like California, like Australia, that's dealing with air pollution, wildfires. It would be really beneficial for you to invest in an air filter. And I touched on it before, but mold could be a factor too. You don't necessarily have to see it in the environment for it to be a problem. You could be exposed to a low-grade chronic inflammation. There's a syndrome called chronic inflammatory response syndrome that can leave you just inflamed and stressed, even though you're eating a really healthy organic diet. Some people retain a lot of weight. Some people have fertility issues. They have brain fog. They have depression because they're in a moldy building. So this probably would be one of the last things to rule out if you're having chronic hair loss, but you may be symptomatic. Otherwise, if you're dealing with complex health conditions, mold can be a factor. Common symptoms, maybe things like sinus issues. It could be histamine related issues, uh, fatigue, brain fog, but mold can be a mimicker of many different things in the body. So people with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, Hormone imbalances, infertility can sometimes have issues with mold. And the test that I would recommend for this would be the Great Plains mycotoxin test. And for environmental toxins in general, there's a test by Great Plains. It's called the Envirotox test. Both are urine and both are very valuable. But again, one of the last things to rule out with hair loss. Step seven would be to enhance blood flow and circulation. 
Insulin resistance is a big driver of poor circulation and poor nutrient delivery, oxygen delivery to the scalp. Because when you're inflamed, when you're insulin resistant, things can be messed up and the body can just be in a chronic state of inflammation. And that can affect the capillaries and blood vessels and definitely the the very small ones like in the scalp, in the eye, in the retina, in the toes and fingers. And that's why people can get things like visual issues. They can get tingling in their fingers, but hair loss can be a factor as well. And if you have PCOS or hormone imbalances, insulin resistance can make that worse too. Brushing your hair and scalp to stimulate the circulation is another great thing. Some people are very scared, and I know I was, to even brush your hair. I just used to let it air dry. I just tied it up in a scrunchie or a clip every day and didn't even touch it with my hands because I was so petrified of making it worse or my hands getting caught in my hair and having to pull it out. Um, so brushing your scalp may seem like the last thing that you want to do but if the hair's going to come out it's going to come out whether you're brushing it or not and the more circulation you promote in the scalp the better it's going to be in the long run so yes there may be some hairs coming out but you're actually improving the health of the scalp you're keeping the oils nice and lubricated in the scalp you're increasing blood flow to the area and therefore delivery of oxygen and nutrients which are needed for the health of the hair follicle inversions if you're a yogi you're probably going to love this one, but even just tipping your head upside down and letting the blood roll run to your scalp and your head for a few minutes every day, headstands if you're into yoga, these can all help with circulation as well. Daily exercise, so sweating, getting that lymphatic system moving, moving your body, improves whole body circulation, but we need circulation to, again, um, optimize health, deliver nutrients to the scalp sauna can be helpful sort of sweating getting some of these toxins out of the body dry body brushing it can help in the lower body but you can also do it up near the shoulders and the head and sometimes gua sha on the face can be good um, if you've got acne and things just work around that but just supporting drainage all over the body a sluggish or stagnant blood flow can really affect the body at a cellular level other ways diet and lifestyle wise to improve circulation and blood flow would be to increase warming and coots foods, lots of herbs that stimulate blood flow like ginger, cinnamon, turmeric, and not having a lot of cold raw foods because again, you can imagine in the gut if there's a big salad or fruit smoothie in there, your body's going to have to heat that up and then break it down and then absorb it. So you're just asking your body to do more and expend more energy when that could be used for other things as well and herbal teas can be great so things like a nice fresh ginger tea every day cinnamon um, turmeric tea just warming um, grounding herbs step eight is to rule out scalp infections this is another one that should be left to um, the last few things to rule out it isn't that common but it is still a possibility issues like fungal or bacterial imbalances on the scalp ringworm, um, even conditions like psoriasis or seboric dermatitis can also damage the hair follicle or just prevent the hair from growing optimally and halting the hair cycles. This may be another one that's localised on the scalp, so it's not a systemic infection or it could be. So if there's issues in the gut, like yeast overgrowth, then that can spread to the oral microbiome, the vaginal, the hair follicles um, and skin as well. And we need to make sure that our immune system's not 
overactive or underactive. So we all have these pathogens and bugs in and on our skin. But if your immune system's on hyperdrive or overactive, maybe it's underactive, um, it's just a little bit off, then it can mean that your body's reacting to normal organisms and causing problems. So a common issue would be things like tinea versicolor or seborrheic dermatitis, where your body's over-responding to natural yeast that's on the skin. And your body's kind of like an autoimmune. Um, it's not a diagnosed autoimmune, but your body's attacking something normal in the body and can cause damage to her because of that. If your skin or your scalp is flaky, itchy, oily, smelly, or has weeping kind of cuts or plaques, then this is a good sign that you may have a scalp infection. You may need to work with a dermatologist to get a sample of this and to get that investigated. So there may be some topical things that you can do, but a lot of it's rooted in the gut and immune system. And the topical factors really depend on what the problem is. Step nine is smart supplementation. This is different for everyone, but there are some commonalities. It depends on what's going on for you. So as I mentioned, if you have iron deficiency, taking an iron supplement would be great, along with figuring out why you have that in the first place. But if you have high iron levels, sometimes that can make you feel tired. So you may think, yes, my hair's falling out. I'm tired, so I must have an iron deficiency then you take iron and it's actually making more oxidative stress, more inflammation in the body. So testing is always the way forward. If you have stress-based hair loss, again, you need to work on the root cause. Supplements are supplementing the nutritional lifestyle changes that you're making. So you can't continually be not sleeping, overworking and just take something like an adaptogen and everything will be better. But it can definitely help to support it. So things like holy basil, ashwagandha, rhodiola. Um, he shou wu is a Chinese medicine. It's known as the miracle herb for her, her growth and her health, premature graying, her strength. And this is commonly used in some adaptogenic powders. So this could be an option as well, just for general, while you're figuring out what's going on. Not for everyone, you may react negatively to it, but it could be an option. If your issue is thyroid-based and you've confirmed that with testing, then you may need core factors like tyrosine, iodine, zinc, iron, selenium. If your root cause is inflammation, then omega-3s may be helpful, quercetin, N-acetylcysteine, liver support. If your, your problem is sex hormones, high androgens, then zinc could be helpful. Liver support, again, could be helpful. And so it's really dependent on what's going on. There's some common supplements that could be beneficial for most people so magnesium helps with many of these different factors um a methylated b complex or an organ meat organ meat complex so if you really can't stand eating organ meats like chicken livers then you could consider using a high quality organic organ meat complex where they freeze dry the organs there's no real good brand in the uk unfortunately but if you're in the us or you can get access to ancestral supplements then that could be a good option for you as well. And that would replace a B vitamin a lot of the times. Digestive enzymes could be helpful just to make sure that you're breaking down your food, absorbing things correctly. But if you have things like H. pylori diagnosed, you have gastritis, or you're taking or have taken non-steroidal drugs like paracetamol or ibuprofen, then you'd want to avoid hydrochloric acid or stomach acid supports because that's contraindicated 
can cause things like gastric bleeding or just irritation but it may be worth doing a trial if none of those things apply a trial um supplement with a hcl just to see how you feel on more stomach acid and i've got a guide on my website on that for you to read through and see what type of supplement that you can try and how to dose it accordingly because it's a little bit complex on how you do that but that could be um an answer as well but if you have low stomach acid figure out why is it because of stress is it because of nutrient deficiencies or is it because you've got a gut infection that's draining all of your nutrients step 10 so we're on the final step which is safe styling you don't have to be as terrified or cautious as i was when my hair was falling out and never touch it never brush it never goes to the hairdressers definitely not if it's going to come out it will come out at some point anyway i don't recommend frequent washings if you are currently washing it every day then maybe go to two to three times a week and just side notes when you do that then you're probably going to see more hair in the shower in the plug hole so it's not getting worse it's just that you're washing your hair less so just remember that don't freak out the problem with washing hair frequently is that it strips it of oils if you're using non-toxic shampoo then you're getting more exposure to some of these chemicals as well you're probably drying and treating your hair after washing it as well and african Ameri african american women um, or african women in general can sometimes have tight hairstyles or inappropriate hairstyles that really damage her health so they have traction hair loss where they script the hair back a lot or they were in step in um, extensions or weaves and a lot of the glues and processes can damage the hair follicle as well. Sometimes that can be irreversible because it's ripped the, the hair out of the follicle and really damaged it in extreme cases. Other things that you can try would be a silk pillowcase or a silk headscarf or just something around your hair when you sleep so that you're not pulling it out and um, you're having something nice and nourishing on the scalp as well letting your hair air dry after washing it if possible i know that some people have like really complex hair very curly hair and they can't really do that but as much as you can try and reduce any sprays or styling products or straighteners curlers just to make sure the hair is as well curled for as possible because you don't want it to grow back unhealthy as well i used to rely a lot on scrunchies and hair clips you can wear headbands, wear it down as much as possible, use clips just to keep it out of your face. And if you tie your hair back for work, using, using it in different locations on the scalp, so you're not constantly having it in one area of your head the whole time. Topical-wise, a rosemary essential oil and jojoba oil hair mask is a great option. The rosemary helps with the hair follicle strengthening the hair follicle and if your hair loss is hormone related particularly androgenic related with that hormone dht dihydrotestosterone which shrinks the hair follicle rosemary is an inhibitor of that it's not going to block it completely but it can definitely help jojoba oil organic ideally and this has a natural similarity to sebum in the scalp so other oils and may clog the pores of the scalp so if you're using quite thick shampoos and conditioners then that could actually be clogging the pores as well if there's any silicones and things in your products then that could be blocking the hair follicle whereas jojoba like it does in the skin it gently exfoliates and it unclogs the oil that may be clogged in your skin the sebum so it has a naturally identical 
um, structure. Apple cider vinegar rinses could be helpful. So you're just spraying that onto your hair or rinsing your hair with a mixture of apple cider vinegar and water. You can find recipes for that online and I'll link to one in the show notes too, along with the recipe for the hair mask. And two brands that I like for shampoos that are non-toxic, don't contain all of those things that I told you to avoid, would be Avalon Organics. They do a rosemary shampoo and Jason's, in, they do a biotin shampoo as well. So biotin is a helpful nutrient, but when people find out that they have hair loss, they go straight to a everything biotin. They have biotin-rich foods. They have biotin megadose supplements. They take a hair, skin, and nails formula that has biotin in there, and it's usually not the the problem. But biotin shampoo can just help to strengthen the hair follicle because in excess supplement-wise, can actually trigger acne for some people. So your hair um, probably won't get better, but your skin will probably get worse as well. So that's everything. So you can see there's 10 steps. Again, I'll link to the blog post. Um, and I don't want this to be overwhelming. I want this to be empowering. So you can work through these maybe one at a time. You'll probably get a sense as to what could be going on with you based on the other symptoms that I listed as well. I always recommend working with a practitioner through these things because I can't even imagine if it's not your full-time job, if you've got a family, if you're working full-time, you've got stress then you, you can't really do this on your own. Um, you need someone to order and interpret labs for you. You need someone to select high quality supplements that may be appropriate for you and just guide you through these things one step at a time. So be sure to share this episode with people that you may find that may find it helpful. So anyone that you know, any loved ones that are struggling with hair loss. I always love to see you screenshot and share this on your stories on Instagram and let me know if there's any other subjects that you'd like me to do these deep dives into so i've done before 10 steps to acne um to fat loss how i stay in hormonal harmony if there's any other subjects like this that you want me to cover on these solo episodes send me a message on instagram send me an email i really want to know what you guys want to learn more about i'm just trying to do what i wish i had five years ago when my health was terrible i didn't have anything like this podcasts weren't really a thing blog posts weren't really um, covering subjects like this so I just want to make sure that I'm providing the best value that I can for you so hope to see you next week on the Hormones in Harmony podcast thank you for listening to another episode of the Hormones in Harmony podcast if you like this episode please leave me a rating and review as this helps to spread the word to other women dealing with hormone imbalances as a massive thank you gift I'll send you a free guide six steps to hormonal harmony All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review, then email it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download this free guide. If you haven't already, check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and Instagram page at vivanaturalhealth for tons more free content and inspiration. You can also schedule a free 30-minute hormone troubleshooting call to find out the next steps to take in order to overcome your symptoms naturally. See you back here next week for another episode.